Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, you guys are wide and awake. I love it. The sun's going to be shining today. We're going to have a great day. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm glad that you're here. For some of you, it might be a surprise because last week we announced that I was going on sabbatical, but we didn't tell you when. And so I know there might be a few of you playing hooky at home. It's okay. There's no shame or judgment here, uh, but I hope to see you next week. Um, we, uh, I'm going to be going on sabbatical with my wife uh, starting in June. So we'll be gone June and July. And so uh, we'll clear that up. But we're glad that you're here this morning. If we've got any guests here, we definitely want you to know that you are loved and appreciated. We've got a table out in the foyer. We'd love for you to pick up a gift before you leave. And we'd love to connect with you in our foyer as well. Uh, we're going to have a great day. God is going to do some great things. But before we do that, I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, the first one is a little heartbreaking, but one of our own family members, uh, church family members, has passed away. Bob Lackanen passed away this week. His funeral will be on Thursday. Uh, the service is at 11, visitation is at 10, and that's here at Hillside Assembly. So we would uh, welcome you to come and be a part of that celebration of life service. We've also got some great things that we're doing and some great things to look forward to. How many of you are putting your prayer and praise miles on? Okay, two of us are. I'm right. We're doing this, Steve. I'm so excited. Um, it's so important, guys, with this season and the window that we're in. I believe to see God move in the way he wants to in the coming months and the coming uh, years here at Hillside in our community, prayer is the key to getting this done. So I'd encourage you to get out there, be, be spend some time in prayer and praise miles where we're asking you to go out in your community, maybe put on some headphones and just, just walk with the Lord and begin to pray over our community and lift up his name. God will do amazing things. And of course, this Wednesday, we're excited because we're launching the uh, church prayer here at 6 30. Prayer at church. That's the way I'm supposed to say it. Prayer at church uh, Wednesday at 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, you just come on in. You find a spot. We'll have music playing in here in the sanctuary. And then you can walk the halls. You can go find a private room. You can bring your Bible and sit on the stairs. You can walk our property. But for an hour every Wednesday, we are going to lift up the name of Jesus with two really big goals. One, that everything that God wants to accomplish would, would happen in this community and the surrounding communities, and two, that people would come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is what Jesus wants. I believe if we spend the time praying, guys, I'm telling you, I can't, there's no way for me to sell this, but I'm telling you, what God wants to do is gonna blow your mind. The amount of people that he wants to reach, and if we are faithful in praying and lifting the Lord up, he is gonna do it. It's not gonna be us, he's gonna do it. So I hope you'll come and be a part of this. And then finally, something I'm super excited about, worship night, Friday, May 14th at 7 p.m. This is going to be a phenomenal night. We've got a bunch of worship songs that we're going to do outside. I've got a short devotional I'm going to share. And somebody asked me this week, Pastor, why are we doing this outside? Because our community needs to see God's people worship Jesus. Uh, I believe the opportunities that God would give us in those, in those moments. If somebody just drives by to allow the presence of God to reach out and touch their life, 
I, I, I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. It's going to be a phenomenal time. So a lot of things going on. We have several people that are sick in the church, so we want to pray for them. Uh, and we want to pray for Julie Moore as well today. Uh, she has a fractured hip, and she'll be going for a CT scan here in the near future to see if she needs surgery. And maybe you have a need here today as well. I want to pray for you. We're going to get ready to go into a worship song. So would you stand to your feet? I want to pray over you this morning as we begin our worship experience. How many of you want to touch from God today? Me too. Lord, we lift up your name in this place. You are Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You came to meet with your people today. Lord, we lift these needs up to you. Lord, the Lackanen family, Lord, who have lost, uh, Lord, uh, such a dear family member. And Lord, we pray that you would bring stability to their hearts and minds. Lord, we pray, Lord, for Julie Moore today, that you would heal that hip in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for those who are sick and not feeling well, that God, you would bring a healing touch to them. Lord, what you want to accomplish today, may you do it in all of your glory, your might, your power, your grace, your mercy, your love. God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And we lift our voices in this time of worship to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come, move among us, transform and change our lives that we may be full and overflowing with the Spirit of God as we go back in to our workplaces, our community this week. If you believe that, church, would you say amen this morning? Amen. Robbie, would you lead us in worship this morning? Got two key words today as we get ready to worship God freedom and grace. And we're going to sing about both of them. First on this song we're going to sing is the song Freedom. Let me read this scripture verse from 2 Corinthians 3 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God has freed us because of his grace. Let's sing about that this morning. Grace is 
like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Come on, sing it out. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His
And I feel like this morning, maybe you're here and you just had this, this issue all week long that has just been heavy on your heart. And maybe even in this moment, you're finding it hard to worship God because your mind is distracted, your heart is distracted, you're pulled by this thing that's happening. And I'm going to do this. I know somebody else that's been putting in the miles this week, and that's Robin. And Robin, would you just pray for that right now? That if there is distractions from what God wants to do in someone's life, they'd be able to just lay that down. And would you also pray for the, the message as we're about to preach it? Let's do that together, church. Lord, I pray against distraction right now, that our minds would be fixed and focused on what Jesus wants to speak to us this morning. God, I thank you for your word. And I pray an anointing over Pastor Eric this morning, that as he shares your word, that it would challenge our hearts and that we would grow in our relationship with you. And God, may we not just hear the word, but may we apply that word to our lives day in and day out. God, remind us each morning that we need to read the word, that it is our life. It's our source of hope and strength. So again, God, we commit this service into your hands. Let your spirit speak to us, and may we listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand before we're seated. Well, who's ready to hear a word from God today? Oh, man, this guy is ready to bring a word from God. I'll tell you what. Um, so excited to preach this morning. I know somebody's thinking, where's Jeb? Where is Jeb? Jeb will be coming today. Him and uh, one of our missionary partners, they're, they're going to have an integral part in, our, in the message today as we deliver it. So just hold on for anticipation. Jeb will show up. Uh, this morning's message is titled this, Dealing with Sin, Finding Freedom, and Living in Grace. I don't know about you this morning. I want to find some freedom. And I want to live in grace with you guys. God wants to do some great things. Let's recap where we were last week, which was a challenging message to say the least. But we see the disciple John and he, he, we see his actions and how his actions were actually leading to people away from God instead of bringing people closer to God because these people were not in their group. The, the group that, that John was, was, was correcting here, they they, they didn't look like John. They, they weren't traveling with John. Their, their goals maybe weren't exactly the same. And he goes and tells Jesus, look what I did. I told these people to stop doing ministry, to stop praying for people. And Jesus goes, John, what are you doing? Don't, don't have them stop. We want to draw people in. We don't want to push people away. Jesus said to John, if you cause one of these little ones who trust me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. And we talked about this last week and how important it is that we're not fighting one another. I'll add a small little caveat to that. On Monday, I was doing some gravel work in my yard and my hand slipped while I was carrying a 50 pound bag of gravel and I knocked myself in my kisser and split my lip. We probably should not be attacking ourselves either. <laughs> All right. That's not the enemy, all right? Well, we have to deal with things internally in our life. Uh, we're not the enemy, although sometimes we are our worst enemy in the way that we handle things, but, and other people aren't our enemy, that, that, that our brothers and sisters in Christ aren't our enemy. They may think differently than we do. They may have some, some different values, different opinions, but that's okay. And so we want to come together. 
Because I know this, a country divided is discouraging. And we're in that right now. We've got a country that's divided. It's discouraging. But a church that's divided is devastating. And if we can be unified and get together and have Jesus as the pinnacle of who we are and what we do, we can be successful no matter what's happening outside the walls and in our communities. Jesus can do greater things when the church is united. Healings can happen and powerful moves of God take place. Let's get into the main portion of our scripture today and start dealing with the issues God wants us to deal with today. We're in Mark chapter 9 and verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. It doesn't matter how fast you can walk in hell. If, if you're there, it's not good. Verse 47, and if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. See, the truth is, is every person on the face of the planet is going to be tested by fire. Believers who trust in Jesus, we're going to be tested by trial, situation, heartache that we face as believers. When, when, you, when you follow Jesus, those things are going to happen and we'll be tested with fire. But for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, their fire awaits them in a place called hell. And this is the importance of us to share the gospel. This is why the message of Jesus must be shared. There is freedom if you choose to live in it. If you choose to want it, Jesus has something better for you. So sin is, the, is a real deal and it's a real issue. And Jesus, obviously, in this passage of scripture, is putting great importance on us dealing with the sin issues in our life. So today, let's talk about that. Let's talk about dealing with sin. So what is sin? Sin is described in the Bible as a transgression of the law of God and a rebellion against the Lord. Now, American language, it's interesting. Our language is fairly simplistic uh, compared to other cultures around the globe. When we have described something, we have a word for it. We have one word for book, right? And, and that's what we use it for. But in other language, is the, the language is far more robust. So in the Old Testament, which would be Hebrew, they use six different nouns and three different verbs to talk about sin. They have nine words for sin. In the New Testament, there are 13 words used to talk about sin. That's a lot of words for one little teeny word. <laughs> so there's this broadness, there's all this different classification and degrees, but the principal classification for sin is missing the mark. It's a Hebrew word. I'm going to spell it for you because if I said it, I would get in trouble this morning. The Hebrew word is C-H-E-I-T. And you can understand now why I'm not saying that out loud. Um, and so when you, when you have this, this issue of sin, we're missing the mark. We're off. So what's the big deal with sin anyway? Why is it such a big issue for us? Why is Jesus making this huge deal about dealing with it? 
Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. The iniquities would be sin. There's a separation and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not, so he does not hear. Sin in our life causes a separation between us and God. There's, there's not, the, all the wiring is there, but none of it's connected. So what's the, what's the purpose? There's a, there's a loss. We, we can have all of this equipment up here on stage. We can have all the cabling. But if it's not plugged in, what good does it do us? It can look pretty but it serves no function. And I want to say you can be in church and you can go about your life and you can look the part. But if there's sin in your life that you're not dealing with, there is a separation between you and God and you're living your life without the power of Jesus and you're missing the purpose God has for you. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you've got sin pulling us one direction because it's pulling us to death. On the other side, we've got Jesus, and he's trying to pull us to life. So who wins the tug of war? You get to decide. You get to decide, and we'll explain how that is in just a moment. Romans 3.23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. This tells us that every single person on the face of the planet, every person here, every person watching online today, we are short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We're all in the same mess. We're born sinners. And by default, we will always go towards sin. That's the default setting. If you don't put any energy into your relationship with Jesus, if you don't put any investment in it, I guarantee you, you will default back to sin every time. There is no autocorrect in our life because this flesh suit is, is sinful. It's selfish. And on default, it becomes arrogant. It becomes harmful. So how did this whole thing start? I mean, where did sin come from? Well, sin really comes from a choice, a choice. Adam and Eve were given a choice at the very beginning in the garden. See, God loves you so much, he gives you a choice. He doesn't demand that you worship him or that you follow him. Because see, he wants real worshipers. He wants real disciples that have made a choice to love him, that have made a choice to follow him that have made a choice to engage with him. And Adam and Eve, they, they were given the guidelines, given the rules, and what did they do? They broke it. And it didn't take very long for them to break it. And sometimes we're quick to, to throw the blame on Eve and then on Adam and, and all those things. But the truth is, is that if we were in their shoes, we would have made the exact same choice. We would have made the exact same choice because we make the exact same choice today. We do it all the time. Every day we're given a choice. Every person is given a choice. We all miss the mark. 
but we're given the same choice of Adam and Eve. Every day we're given opportunities to follow Jesus, or we can choose not to. Every morning we're given the opportunity to invest in our relationship with Christ, or not to. And, and when we just put it off, that's a choice not to. There's no middle ground here. You're rather engaged or you're not. There's no lukewarm. There's no riding the fence. We're rather going to each and every day decide, yes, today I'm going to further my relationship with Jesus. I'm investing in that relationship because I want to go further with Jesus. Or we, or we don't. And you don't get to stay in middle ground because when you don't invest, you start sliding backwards. So we know that sin's a real issue, but I believe there are people that want freedom from this. There's got to be freedom from this issue of sin, and that's what we want to talk about now, finding freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Jesus wants us to be free. And when it comes to specific sins in our life or sin patterns in our life, Jesus wants to, to break that cycle and set you free from that addiction or from that, that issue that you continually fall back into. He wants you to make progression in your life, in your spiritual life. He wants you to be free. How many of you believe Jesus wants you to be free? Amen. Sometimes we're the ones that, that lack the passion to experience freedom. Jesus wants us to be free. In the Old Testament, they made sacrifices and offerings. They presented these to God to try to atone for their sins. But this was a temporary half measure at best because sacrifices, the sacrifices they were offering could not balance the scales. They couldn't, it couldn't be done because the wages of sin is death and all these sacrifices were insufficient. They were insufficient for our our sin in our life, for the death that had taken hold of us. But thank goodness, God always has a plan. We can get ourselves into some real messes in life. But anytime we've got ourselves into a mess, God has a plan to get us out. And Jesus' sacrifice was more than sufficient. It was more than enough. In fact, it didn't just balance the scales. It tipped the scales in God's favor and in our favor. He paid it all. 1 Peter 2.24 says, For he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, that we, that, we, that, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Here's the interesting thing. You can't be righteous on your own. The only thing that makes us righteous is Jesus Christ. You can work to be the greatest, greatest person ever, but that doesn't make us righteous. Only Jesus makes us righteous. Amen. Jesus paid it all. He paid the debt you and I cannot pay. We could not pay. We, we don't have the funds. We'd be writing checks that can't be cashed. But Jesus paid it all. And not only did he pay it all, he was willing to do so. He was enthusiastic to do it. He wanted to pay the price for you and I. He loves you that much. He's like, send me. I can see the conversation with God taking place where they're having this discussion. All right, are, are, 
our people are lost. They're lost to sin unless this price can be paid. Jesus is like, sign me up, send me. I'm ready to go because I'm passionate about our people. I'm passionate about these men and women. I, I will gladly lay down my life for them. He loves you so much. So the first step is salvation, this authentic relationship with Jesus. That's, that's how we begin to find freedom. When you step into salvation, Jesus deals with your past because we all have a past. Psalms 103 says this, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Think about what's written in this passage. As far as the heavens is from the earth, think about how far the distance is in our galaxies. And we can't even comprehend it in our minds. This verse says, our transgressions are as far as from the east as from the west. Here's the thing, as much as you can travel to one side, as much as you might go, there, you're never going to hit the end, right? The globe is round, it just keeps going. There's always an east and west, they never, they never meet. This tells us great news. The separation between us and God is gone when we step into a relationship with Jesus. The gap is gone. But while Jesus doesn't have issues with our past, guess who does? Us. We have a hard time reconciling our past. We have a hard time dealing with it. Because while our sins are forgiven, there's still consequences for our actions. And that's a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around. And we know sin is a real thing. It doesn't go away once we have a relationship with Jesus. It's still something we have to deal with as believers. Wouldn't it be great if we could just put on some type of suit like Batman? I mean, that guy's got this utility belt. He's got a gadget for everything to get him out of trouble. I'm like, he's got batarang and bat shoes. And if you remember the 1960s, he's got bat shark spray. And I mean, just all this crazy stuff. Wouldn't it be cool if we just had a suit we could put on to help us deal with the sin issues in our life? But I want to tell you that there is. And I think our good friend Jeb and one of our ministry partners are going to tell us about that suit this morning. So let's watch Jeb for a moment. It's Jive Time with Jeb! Uh, welcome back. This is Jeb. I'm here with my good friend Marianne Adams, and we are continuing to talk about the armor of God. Hey, Miss Marianne, do you want to read our passage of scripture for us Ab once again? Absolutely, Jeb. It's in Ephesians 6, starting with verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand to your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, that's a lot of stuff in that passage of scripture. Yes, 
this. Today we're doing an overview view. We want to talk about the armor of God and why it's important to have all of it together. Yes. And so, uh, Miss Marianne, you brought some stuff for us to look at today. I did. We got some oranges here. Ooh. Um, I like oranges. Do you like oranges? Yes. I like oranges too. They're good for you too, right? Absolutely. Um, I got two different ones here. Here's the orange, and this one's looking kind of bad. He's got some problems. He's got some issues. <laughs> I hope I look like the good orange and not the bad one. Well, you know, it's a wonder you would say that, Jeb, because this orange here, let's call him George. George the Orange! George the Orange! Hey, That's George. right! <laughs> now, George here, he reads his Bible every day, he puts on the armor of God, and he's doing really well with his relationship with God. That's pretty good for yeah. a piece of fruit! Yeah, it's pretty good for a piece of fruit, right? <laughs> now, let's see what will happen to George here when I put him in the water. Ooh. George floats! George floats! You know, it kind of reminds me when Peter went walking on the water, right? Oh, was, was like, Peter an orange? <laughs> no, I don't think Peter was an orange. Oh, Not okay. like George. Okay. But, so, um... Let's call this one, let's call him Fred. Fred! Fred has some issues here. Fred, you're looking a little sad there. He kinda, <gasps> you know, sometimes we, we think about things that cause us not to lose our armor or to not have our armor on. Maybe like worry, right? Or not doing things that uh, <gasps> disobeying God, right? Or sometimes it's like, George is like, I want to spend time with God. I just want to watch video games and, and not do so. He's not wearing his armor. You want to see what happens to Fred's Fred? Fred's naked! <laughs> you want to see what happens to poor Fred? No, Fred's going to get a bath. Oh! Fred sinks! Fred sinks. That's right. He doesn't stay above that water. You know, it's just like when... Peter took his eyes off of, of Jesus and he sank, right? Wow. Yeah, but notice something, the armor. <laughs> yeah, so we need to make sure that we have our armor on. I, I think so, I think this is a great lesson. We've learned a lot from this today. Uh, we, we've learned that you need to have the armor of God on all the time. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, you're gonna sink. Yeah. We also learned it's probably good to wear clothes. <laughs> yes, it's good to wear clothes. Very good. Good church, because you're going to sink. We've been given a great toolbox to work with. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and, and gives us this great suit of armor, a belt of truth, a, a breastplate of righteousness the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and you'll see a video on that in the near future, the sword of the spirit. But of all these pieces of armor here, do you notice that there's nothing that protects your back? Why do you think that is? Now, a lot of people would say, because the battle is always in front of us. But look, here's the truth we know. We, we fail sometimes, and sometimes we might run the wrong direction. We also know that the Bible is very specific, that our enemy, the devil, 
He prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. He's trying to sneak attack you. He's always trying to get you from the side that you're not expecting it. But just because there's not a piece of armor for it doesn't mean that our backside is not meant to be protected. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to clean us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has your back. Jesus has your back this morning, church. But it's just not Jesus that should have your back because we should have each other's backs as well. James 5, 16 says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The Bible tells us the devil is the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the saints. He's always accusing us. And look, he'll use lies, absolutely. But let's face it, we give him enough ammunition, he would never have to lie. We've got lots of stuff that he can use and throw back in our face. And that's what he always seems to like to do, to throw our past, to throw our decisions, to throw our secrets in our face. See, when we keep sin and secret struggles to ourselves, he gets us isolated. And when the devil gets us isolated, his voice becomes so loud. He immobilizes us. We become ineffective. Our hearts start to become hard. We become harsh with others. And you know what we tend to do? While God's grace has been so good to us, when we keep secret sins and, and the devil starts to, to, to move in our life, we, we stop showing grace to others. We become bitter because we've got all this secret junk in our life that we're trying to deal with on our own. I shared this story before, but I think it's important to share it again. A few years ago, I was here at the church on a Sunday afternoon with one of our young people, just spending some time. We were hanging out, goofing off downstairs. When I got a text message on my phone, it was from a young lady named Jenny. Now, here's the issue. Someone had my phone number before I moved to Wisconsin. This guy's name was John. John's had some issues because the Fond du Lac Police Department has called me several times trying to get in contact with him once I had to prove that I wasn't John. Uh, so that was interesting. But John still likes to give out this phone number for several different things. And so he had apparently gone on a date with this Jenny gal and gave, him, gave her my number instead of his number. <laughs> um, and so she was texting with me about our date last night. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you must have the wrong number. She was furious that she had gotten spoofed by this guy. But then she said, well, maybe you're interested, and sent me a picture of her top without a shirt on. And I'm like, what in the world? And in that moment, I could hear the devil's voice. I got you now. I hadn't even done anything wrong. And here he is already accusing me. I got you now. So instantly I had to make a decision. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? The first thing I did is I looked at this student. I said, I want you to know what's happening right now. Shared this whole thing. His eyes got about this big. And I said, now I'm going to show you how you deal with it. So first thing I did is I called Robin because Robin and I were working through some accountability things. I said, Robin, I want to share with you what's happened. And here's my plan on how I'm going to deal with it. I got done with that. The next call was to my wife. And I said, hey, I want to let you know that I got this text message. I was not on a date with Jenny last night. Um, and so uh, I shared with her. I said, I, I can keep this on my phone if you want to see it. 
and see the interaction, or I can delete it. Your call. And so she told me what she would like me to do. I got done with that. And the next thing I did is I called a board member to share with them what was going on. And then I shared that following Sunday in church. Do you know why? I didn't do anything wrong. But I know this. If you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. And he loves to shame us. That's something that I didn't even do. And I still wanted to bring it to the light. Because here's the, here's the weapon that the enemy uses. He shames us. You're no good. You've got this issue. You're going on with this. You've got this struggle. He shames us and shames us and shames us so that we won't bring that issue to the light. We won't have other people share the burden with us. He'll lie to us and, and get in our minds and all these kind of things. And what he forgets is that we're supposed to live by grace, and we forget that too. We're supposed to live in grace with each other. And see, the, what I did by bringing it to the light, I took away the devil's power. Because he no longer could use that lie. I got you now. Somebody will find this text message stream. Somebody in church will, Jenny's going to show up in church, and then what are you going to do? You know, all these crazy things. And this is, I know I'm kind of exaggerating this po point, but what about the things that are real? The things that we did do that he tries to shame us in? Where if we had brothers and sisters in Christ that we trusted to go and say, I'm blowing it. Man, I'm goofing up. Man, I've got a struggle. This morning, I took a phone call from an individual that was thinking about ending their life because of hidden sin. The moment that we started to talk on the phone, do you know what happened? The devil's power was taken away. And freedom swept in. Guys, we have got to learn to live in grace. There's no place for shame in this place anymore. We are God's people. Several years ago, we had an individual that attended this church. Nobody knows this except a few, very few people. This person kept a notebook. And literally, it was the book of grievances. There were notes on every single person that attended this church and everything that they were doing wrong. And I will confess to you as your pastor, I was not fast enough to deal with that. I was young. Spiritually, I was a lot younger. That will not happen today. We're not going to carry around book of grievances for people in this place. We live with grace. And if you've got a struggle, this should be the safest place on the planet for you to find men and women who will come alongside you and walk with you in your struggle. I love you, church. Jesus loves you. So there is no shame in Christ Jesus. It's time for us to be the church. Worship team, would you come back? Listen, we don't shame people because, look, that's the devil's job. We don't bring conviction into people's life because that's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is this. We love people. We stand with people. We fight alongside, not with, we fight alongside people and connect them with Jesus. And when we do that, God moves, sets people free.
and the Spirit of the Lord is loosened in this place. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We're about to go into worship. I know this morning you might have things that you're dealing with. You might have issues and secrets that you've been holding back. You might look like you the part. You might look like you're free. You've got all the right jargon and sayings, but inside there's a mess. I want you to know we stand together in this place. We'll stand with you. We'll fight alongside of you for your freedom. We're in this together. Do you believe that, church? The road ahead will be challenging, but the road ahead is going to be so good. As these seats begin to fill up with new people coming to Jesus Christ, their lives are going to be, going to be messes and wrecks. And for some of us this morning that maybe have lived a sheltered life and we've had it good, I'm going to tell you we got to stretch, guys, because... A majority of people haven't. They're dealing with homes that are a mess. They're dealing with, with addictions. They're dealing with lies and deception and confusion. And they need a family that will love on them. We're called to be that. But for us to be effective in that job, we've got to be willing to deal with our own messes as well. This morning, I want to pray for you for freedom. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity for salvation first. If you need a genuine relationship with Jesus this morning, you just want to start the journey with Jesus. I want to pray for you. You just believe this in your heart. You pray it alongside of me. This is how you start the relationship. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. I got issues. I got problems. I'm far from perfect, but I'm going to step out in faith. And Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again, and you want a relationship with me. So Lord, come into my life and change it, transform it. I want to know who you are. Begin to show me who you are and begin to show me how you can change my life. If you've prayed that prayer, whether you're online or here in this place, you've taken the first step. But I want to pray for you this morning to be the person God's calling you to be, to live in freedom and to live in grace. Lord, this morning, God, we lift up your name. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You've given us this great word this morning that, yes, Lord, you're calling us to deal with sin. You've set a way to allow us to live in freedom. And God, you've called us to live in grace with each other. God, we must take this call seriously. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our life. Convict us of the areas, Lord, where we have, have allowed sin to take control. The secrets that we have in our closet that we've not shared with anyone. That, Lord, might be hindering us from living in the freedom that you want us to have. Lord, let us have the guts and the courage, Lord, to reach out to a brother or sister in Christ and to begin to share some of the issues that maybe we, we need someone to walk with us. Let us have the courage to be able to do that. And Lord, I pray as a church, we would have the strength to live in grace. 
It's so easy to throw judgment. It's so easy to be critical. But we're not called to that. We're called to be people of grace. Lord, break our hearts for each other, that we would love each other like we're supposed to. No book of grievance that we're carrying around, all the things that everybody's doing wrong. How stupid is that? Lord, our sins are washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you look at us that way, Lord, your people must begin to look at people that way as well. We walk with each other. We will get each other's back. We make this commitment to you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for leading us, loving us, sharing with us, showing us the way. Lord, help us to continue to grow. We give you praise, glory, and honors. We think about this word, and as it sets in, Robin and the worship team are going to lead us in two more songs, and Robbie will dismiss us. You can have an opportunity to give tithes and offerings in the foyer afterwards. But don't walk out of this place going, well, that was a great word, and it was for somebody else. It was for you today. Take what you need to take from this and apply it to your life, church, because it will change who you are, and it will empower you to be the person God's calling you to be. Robin, worship team, would you lead us again in praise and worship? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the
so thankful for God's grace. Aren't you? To conclude our service, let's celebrate that as we sing the song, This is Amazing Grace.
that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set I sing for all that you've done for me. All that you've done for me. God, thank you for the freedom that you give us by your grace. Thank you that you have forgiven us of sin, that you have made us new, you have made us whole and complete in you by bringing your salvation to us through Jesus. Lord, remind us this week of that freedom that we have because of your grace. God, it may challenge us and encourage us to share your love with others, whether it's a smile, a word of encouragement, giving of our time, our love, our energy. God, whatever it is, I pray that you would use us to accomplish great things for your kingdom. God, you are not done. You've got great things that you are going to work in and through us. God, I thank you for Hillside, for this church. Let us be a light to this community. God, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. On your way out, if you want to give in the offering, you can, or you can give online. Otherwise, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.